Hi, I'm Janine. This is Outside the Box, and standing by to join me is Beatty Wolf. She's an award-winning, pioneering singer-songwriter known for seeing music differently and creating new tangible formats for albums in the digital era. But I am absolutely blown away because I just watched her TED Talk, and we're going to talk about that as well as Orange Juice for the Ears, her film, and so much more. Welcome to the show, Beatty Wolf. Thanks so much, Janine. Wonderful to be chatting with you. Your TED Talk, I loved. And I I think I told you a while ago, I I find it so fascinating, the connection between music and people of all different ages, especially the elderly. And I'm going to jump right in. How How did you get interested in the power of music when it came to people that were older, you talked about your uh, father-in-law and I think your grandmother. Yeah. I mean, so, you know, for me, um, it's, it, it definitely has been an interesting journey um, into an area that I, you know, didn't necessarily intend to kind of venture into. Um, I, I've always felt that, you know, the power of music is, tremendous um and that we often i don't know just that we sometimes need to remember that you know we we need reminders of that and a lot of the work that i was doing with reimagining um tangible you know formats for the digital age you know creating these new kind of experiences around records that had ceremony tangibility storytelling really at the heart of them um you know, that was something I'd always really been very active in. And so then kind of discovering uh, more about how music can help with all these neurological conditions, you know, getting getting really um, inspired by the work of Oliver Sacks and what he had done to show how music goes, you know, so much deeper than we realize. Um, then, you know, when I, when I found out that family members had dementia, mm-hmm thought okay well I'll take my guitar and I'll play and you know just finding out that you know family members um had dementia um and sort of thinking about all this you know all the work I'd just read from Oliver Sacks and what he had discovered and what he'd been able to do um I yeah I really just thought okay I'll take my guitar and I'll play some songs and see if that helps and that then evolved into this whole um, research project you know which then got you know national attention and I found myself with all these you know world's leading neurologists and researchers and you know that 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 was then turned into this charity which is actively getting music in all care homes in the UK um, by you know the end of next year so it it really just had this uh, momentum and and it was it was more just because I kind of thought, well, you know, I'd seen it with family members. I'd seen the impact and, you know, and I, I felt like there was sort of a responsibility just to, to take it further. And I think it's something a lot of us know intuitively, you know, how powerful music is, but we still find it remarkable, you know, that it can do these things that we didn't anticipate. And when that's an alternative to, particularly in America, like a lot of, you know, pharmaceuticals, it's like, well, isn't that something everyone should know about, you know? Yes, definitely. After we spoke, and this was a while ago, I actually looked up to see if 
There were documentaries on the subject. I saw clips of you on YouTube performing for people in retirement homes. Now, was this your, uh, your organization that you started or are you collaborating with other people? And that was my, that was the project uh, that I began um, with this foundation backing it. Um, And that was, you know, what then became this charity. It was the, you know, um, the kind of foundation of then forming this charity music for dementia 2020. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, that was my, my initiative. It's amazing. I think back at my grandmother who had dementia and I mean, the brain is so fascinating here. She can recall long-term little details of things, but what she had for lunch or someone's name, you know, she forgets, but then you introduce music and all of a sudden the people that were not communicating are all of a sudden singing the song and clapping their hands. Absolutely. And, you know, with the work that this neurologist had done, um, he typically used music that was familiar you know, songs that would trigger a memory and bring someone back. Um, but I was using music people hadn't heard before and we were getting the same responses. So it, it, it really opened up the field as well in terms of, you know, that understanding that music's power was almost more, you know, it, it tr- further transcended memory. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was something that went deeper than even, you know, s- familiarity and um, and, you know, something that was kind of connecting in a very obvious way. Yes. Um, so I, I feel like we know so little, you know, about the power of music, the power of art, you know, in the broader sense and just how deeply it connects us and how much it um, makes up, you know, our sort of vitality and and how we're how we sort of navigate the world as human beings and so I think that when, you know, when you see people, people in very extreme kind of neurological binds and not just dementia, but all sorts of, you know, different issues, Parkinson's, autism, schizophrenia, and you, and you see how music can unlock something uh, in just this moment, you know, that nothing else was able to kind of penetrate. Um, I just think it's it's amazing how how much sometimes we overcomplicate things yes. and how much technology has sort of also got us away from from kind of what you know <laughs> what we knew to begin with. Yes. I keep looking it down at my phone because I took notes on your TEDx talk and a TED is it TEDx talk or TED talk? It's a te- it's TED Med. Med. TED Med, so it's that's the right. Medical part of TED. Yes. So the three things you talked about, and I'd love to get into this, are storytelling, tangibility, and ceremonial. And the first thing I want to say is, don't you feel fortunate, because I know I do, to look back at how an album could completely captivate us, transform us? I mean, now with digital music, it's, it's obviously not the same, but I actually have my albums from when I was 13, 14, 15 and on. And they're just pieces of art. I completely agree. You know, it's, it's funny because on the one hand, yeah, you feel so fortunate. And then on the other, you feel like you've sort of stepped from one world into another. Yes. You know, it, it feels like such a big divide. Um, oh, and, and that's, I guess, what I was really trying 
to reconcile was this huge divide between physical experiences and and it's not just music but music was the core one for me and the digital version Mm -hmm. and it felt like we'd gone from one to the other so quickly and we hadn't really figured out how to get the best of both you know so that's really what my work has been about you know with everything that I do Um, because I think without those three things storytelling tangibility ceremony the experience can't imprint on us. Um, and that could be listening to a record or it could be writing a letter. You know, it, it could be, it doesn't, it's not only confined to music, but music is obviously one of the real paramount examples. Um, so as a result, you know, we have everything kind of floating around in this same sort of superficial area and it's all coming in at the same frequency and, you know, we're being bombarded all the time with with noise, basically, yes. which then music and art have kind of become part of that background noise, you know, right. of notifications, calendar alerts, you know, 24-hour shuffle stream in the background. It's oh, like everything. Yeah. And so nothing is forcing us to to sort of break that very kind of shallow you know, activity stream and sort of sit down with something um, and have, you know, that physical form, that story that it's able to tell and the ceremony, you know, the headspace around that experience, which allows it to go in. So, um, yeah, I, I really feel like it's vital, you know, and it's, it's really necessary for our, for the sake of our humanity um, to have these things which which ground us and make us present and then also can you know capture our imaginations and take us off on the on this wonderful kind of journey um so i feel like that's what i'm constantly thinking about you know what have we lost yes what can we innovate and what do we need to reclaim um, and it's those three things, you know, and, and so there are areas where we can innovate, you know, there are areas where technology can, you know, sort of help art. Um, there are areas where we can, like, for example, this environmental protest project I'm working on, you know, that's 800,000 years of historic CO2 data mm-hmm. um, that is represented as a, a timeline of the planet, but in this woven you know, beautiful way that's also a protest song and a reimagining of the music video f- format. And, you know, with that, the data is vital because that's what is making up the backbone of the piece. Sure. But it's the art that humanizes it. Um, so it's, it's knowing, you know, where we can innovate and where we, where we need to preserve. And I think we've just thrown technology at everything thinking that that will be the solution and i think it's why we're where we are really right now sure tell me about your other project postcards for democracy well that's that's right in that same vein you know it's interesting because obviously i i have the you know the album experiences as the kind of main trajectory of my work um but and then the dementia project and the this environmental project and now the post project 
but they are, are all um, really driven by the same intentionality and they're all connected. Um, so with the postcard projects, you know, it's that same idea of a tangible art form that has kind of got lost, you know, and, um, and in many ways, like, you know, disregarded. Um, and obviously the practical function it serves, we know particularly during lockdown, you know, how vital physical communication is and, yes. you know, being able to receive, you know, medicine and all, all these things. Like we, we appreciate that and voting. Um, but it's also this whole other aspect that people don't think about, I, I think sometimes, which is again, the ceremony, the tangibility, the storytelling of writing a letter or receiving a letter and again having that come in at a completely different place from everything else that is usually in our day-to-day lives mm-hmm. and it sort of disrupts you know the linear time frame and it forces us to be in this other space um and i feel like that again you know is one of those endangered experiences like you know kind of a ceremonial experience around music mm-hmm. that we need to really hold on to um, so the project is a, a collaboration with uh, Mother's Bar from Devo, who has a love of male art and has been making, you know, postcard art since the 70s. And he and I, you know, really connected in that way that we're just thinking differently and, and being an artist, but being an artist in kind of a pretty, you know, a, a sort of quite, um what's the word well non-conventional sense yes, you know yeah. and, and incorporating different fields and different um different kinds of ways of doing things and so we'd been wanting to collaborate on something and um and then during lockdown you know just realizing that you know just re- for me realizing that mail was kind of the one thing that was keeping me sane sure um and appreciating his long history of of, and love of the art form and our mutual appreciation of these old art forms but also these futuristic kind of explorations um I felt like it would be great for us to do an exhibition of people's letters in lockdown Um, and then that just kind of took on a, a new uh really a new like energy and focus when you know everything got a bit crazy to say yeah. the least with, which part, um, which part got crazy? Yeah. <laughs> so then it felt really like okay this is super timely and mm-hmm. not only are we doing something that is where we meet artistically and celebrating this art form that we love and and also bringing people together but you know we can do this and it can actually serve you know supporting this vital institution and keep awareness on this issue um so yeah it you know it's been it's been a joy to do the project uh together and a lot of people are getting involved they're they're um i saw on your instagram account they're sending postcards in and so many people are posting i think it's great oh we have i mean it's actually (laughs) it's actually one of those rare times when you sort of wish there was less mail and I, I, I don't I don't mean that because it's so wonderful you're like but, what did I do well there's so much mail and it's so great um but I you know I had this experience when I was doing an exhibition of my albums at the Victorian Albert Museum and you know that was such a life highlight for me 
and I had my space chamber, you know, which was this NASA grade mylar wrapped space chamber where people could go in and using an old coin operated viewport, you know, the kind you'd look out to see, they could watch the album come to life with the animations and the lyrics and everything and, and listen to it in that space. And it was so delicate because, you know, mylar is really, you know, it's, it's, it's a very fragile material as much as it's a very robust material. And, um, and I, you know, you have that thing of like, Oh, how many people are going to show up? And obviously that's the anxiety. How many people are going to send mail? And then it gets to the point where you're like, you know, we had so many people in the space chamber. There were the, it was this line that just snaked around the whole gallery. And I was getting so protective of, of like, oh no, it's going to get, you know, because it was felt like my baby. And, of course, and it was, back, stay away from my it, baby. But it was wonderful because people were having a lovely, you know, it was everything you could have hoped, but there's a funny time when sometimes you're like, oh, let's just close the doors for like exactly. an hour. That's enough. So, um, yeah. But no, the mail thing, it's great. And, and, and the only thing with having so much mail is obviously we have to, we will be curating it. So it just uh, uh, might take a, a little time. Just to drop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A little bit of time. Uh, how are you feeling during the quarantine? Like, what are you doing to keep yourself feeling mentally strong and you know without letting everything get to you well I for the first number of months I don't even know how many months we are now um but you know initially there were so many plans with the environmental project it was going to be at Can Lion and um, South by and the Wall Street Journal Festival and um, Global Climate Summit and yeah, you know, just it was it had the best trajectory of any uh-huh. project almost that I've done and so it was so exciting because this you know subject that I felt so passionate about this um, you know something I really wanted to be putting my energy into and we it was just this amazing lineup of events and you know conferences and festivals. And they all cancelled. And, mm. you know, but I didn't really, I felt like, okay, well, actually, if everyone's indoors, you know, and you start seeing like the Venice canals clearing and, you know, you see globally all these examples of kind of nature reclaiming the land. So I felt like if this project's been put on hold that is about, you know, raising awareness for the environment and where we are, but actually right now, we're potentially having a really positive impact by just, you know, a lot of people being forced to stay inside and not yes, travel. I agree. Um, I felt like that was a really great, you know, tangible, like that was the, the sort of tangible outcome I was really hoping for. Um, not in those circumstances, but, um, but, you know, I then just found it to be this real experience of, of presence, you know, and gratitude, at least for the first couple of months, I just felt like, wow, all these little things that we don't have time for, like writing a, you know, a letter or like, you know, going for a walk or, you know, watching the birds, you know, just really, really like simple stuff that we've all been way too busy for. Um, it felt like it was this whole expansion into, 
into that, you know, headspace of just mm-hmm. being really present and really grateful for everything yes. um, and not, not taking anything for granted, you know, which is also heightened by a lot of things that were going on globally and socially, societally, politically. Yeah. So I kind of was in that space most of the time and I was just writing a lot of songs and recording a lot of songs, writing more letters than I've ever sent probably in a lifetime. And, um, yeah. you know, and just really having it be quite an internal period. And then, you know, this postcard project, which kicked off a couple of weeks ago, it that has been just, you know, it's just been pure joy to do that and it and it felt like it came out of a lot of kind of I don't know just a lot of reflection and and because I was mailing so much anyway during that time um and then I you know I don't know if you heard about Mark but he had a really close call with COVID um so yeah so he you know he almost he almost died from Mm. you know having it and and so then there was this sort of renewed energy and there was this place we could put our energy into, which felt really good. Sure. So, um, yeah, I, I just feel like I've, I've definitely had my moments, you know, of feeling like what the F, yeah. <laughs> but, but then I also, um, I also just feel really grateful, you know. That's great. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're supposed to get out of all this. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, I, I think that it's not going to, it hasn't been comfortable and it's challenging us in so many areas, but I think that I really am, you know, optimistic about um, just what, what may still be coming from this for the, for the longer view, you know, and just having people, um, sort of reassess what's important in life, you know, and, and really strip everything away, you know, a lot of extraneous stuff away and really think, okay, what are the things that, you know, really matter? And what's the stuff that actually we don't need to be, you know, that can just, we can get rid of that stuff, you know? Right. Um, or the negative people in your life or the negative yeah. in your life or, yeah. Yeah. I agree. I, I have found that I'm doing, I'm creating more. I mean, I created Outside the Box really in April, launched it in May in response to the millions of people out of work because I wanted to uh, feature people that would share advice about how to find work remotely, how to pivot and start a new venture. Mm. And now I'm starting a, a mentoring series with Outside the Box, helping students in schools as well as those in college who are feeling so lost and upset in this mental health pandemic where they don't have that internship. They don't have those job prospects. Well, Mm. that's okay. Maybe you can talk to someone in this online series I'm putting together and have a sense of optimism because things will be okay, but sometimes they just need someone else to give them a little guidance. I agree. So where can people find out more about you? My, my website mm-hmm. um, and really anywhere, you know, I have a, a, a unusual odd enough name that it's... I think it's so fitting. What are you talking about? Yeah. No, I mean, I, no, I, I, I don't mean it in a bad way. I just mean that, you know, actually I mean it in a good way because, you know, if you, 
want to find anything about BT Wolf, you know, there, there aren't 10 BT Wolfs out there. So one. <laughs> it's, it's generally pretty easy. Um, yeah, the website's a great place. Um, and then, you know, obviously socials and stuff, but, um, uh, as, as we talked about, I spend a lot more time on kind of tangible off platform, uh, experiences. And then, you know, the postcard project, the website is post art for democracy. Um, it's called postcards for democracy, but the website's post art and everyone and anyone can get involved and, you know, just, it just requires making or even augmenting, you know, a, an existing postcard and sending that into us at 8760 Sunset Boulevard, um, CA90069. And yeah, that will become part of a, a an installation and, and digital gallery. Fantastic. Your uh, postman must be thinking, Beatty, what is going on? <laughs> Well, so they, it all goes to Mark. It all, okay. we're, yeah, we have it all going to the um, to Mutato, you know, um, HQ because okay. there is that. I, I think I would not be able to handle yeah. the mail because um, every day it's like you know Christmas. It's like a Santa sack. Yes. Um, so that's a nice thing, though. What a mood boost to see. All. I know. No, it, it really is. You know, it it really is, and. It's, it, you know, there are very few times, I think, um, that you can find something, uh, not personally, I, you know, that I feel like that's been the case with every project. But I think sometimes when you're doing a collaboration with someone, it's very rare to find just that win, 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 you know, where it just ticks all the boxes and there isn't any, you know, there's just that, I don't know, there's no... Um, grit to it it's it's just all it just feels good and and it's got its own momentum you know it's fantastic uh one last thing i didn't ask you could you give any advice to any students who are listening to this who are either in high school or college and they're feeling very down right now if you could put yourself in their shoes perhaps and maybe just offer some advice yeah i think um oh i mean i think that i would say you know the best stuff i've done or the all the stuff i've done actually every single thing that now makes up you know the body of my work it was never planned you know it, it was it was detours off the road map um now I, I had a intention, you know, I knew what I kind of, I, what I wanted to do, not specifically, but I knew I wanted to contribute and I knew I loved music and I knew I loved storytelling, you know? So if I could find a way of contributing to the planet in those areas, then that was, that was what really, you know, kind of lit a fire under me, but I didn't know how, and I didn't know what, and I didn't know, you know, <sighs> what the steps were particularly with like the music industry and how um how un um enlightening it can be or enlightened and uh but there but along the way there were just things that didn't feel right or things that didn't make sense to me 
sure. that probably probably other people would have said, oh, you know, no, you've got to take that deal, or you have to do it this way, or you have to, you know, follow this process. And I guess it, I just found listening to myself, you know, listening to my kind of my inner voice and what felt right and what inspired me. Um, as much as that seemed like the most illogical thing at the time. Um, so now it, with hindsight, you look back and you say, Oh, that all looks so easy. It wasn't easy. It was oh, a no. huge amount of work and a huge amount of sticking to one's guns and, uh, feeling like a weirdo, <laughs> feeling like <laughs> a, you know, like a lone wolf and, and, and all of those things. But it, but there was something that was driving me, which was something I was passionate about. So I, I feel like sometimes, again, it's like in the same way that using music for, you know, neurological conditions, to me, that shouldn't seem like, wow, it should just be really obvious because yes. music move, moves us on a very deep level. So why wouldn't it work? Why sure. is there an other in that? sentence or in that circumstance right. uh, we're all we are all the same so um in the, in that same way that we kind of complicate things i think with life you know we we often from a young age think that there's one roadmap you know for us and we listen to what people tell us you know what people reflect back to us and we listen to the education system which largely you know puts you in one box or another so you're either this or you're that Yes. And it often doesn't encourage original thinking or, you know, going off and, and sort of deviating and, and doing something that is, you know, probably less obvious. Mm -hmm. um, so I feel like it's, it's really about finding what you're passionate about and what excites you and cultivating that and, you know, and not, and not thinking that it's going to be one straight road, you know, realizing that, actually the the kind of probably the best things in life will be totally unexpected you bet. but if you're able to listen to your intuition and you're able to also act when inspiration strikes because I think a lot of the time you know there'll be things pulling at our attention and asking us to explore them and we're no no we've got the shutters up you know oh, mm -hmm. I'm doing this and I'm doing this for the next three months and I can't go off and do that because that doesn't make sense. Right. You know, and so I think actually a lot of the time we just miss what could have been a whole other parallel journey that would probably be much more fulfilling because we say that we can't, you know, or we impose these, these limitations and parameters that don't exist and don't need to exist. So to sum that all up, I just say, don't, don't impose parameters that are not there and do not need to be there and are probably a hang up from, you know, school, education, family, whatever. Yes. Um, and cultivate your own unique original voice because that's what's really valuable. It's not sounding like or looking like or creating like someone else. You know, it's, it's really being authentic. Which is so, so important. And people can tell when you're authentic. Absolutely. And, yeah. and they can tell and then they, and they also then want to, you know, it's that whole thing of 
how do you do something that is seemingly impossible? Well, if you're passionate about it and you know why you're doing it and that, and it's really clear why you're doing it, but also your passion, it's this sort of transfusion of energy where then people want to get involved. They want to support you. They want to collaborate. You know, they want to help facilitate that idea. You know, so it's amazing how if you take away the parameters and the limitations and don't have that voice in your head saying, no, you know, I can't do that or I'm not this or whatever. And then you also are passionate about what you want to do. It's amazing how many people, you know, like the Nobel scientists that, you know, helped me send my music into space, you know, things like that. It's amazing how people feel that passion and that curiosity and then they get inspired by it and they want to be a part of it. You know? Yes. Your energy is electric. It becomes just this electric light in people's lives and they want to be part of that. Exactly. You know, well, this has been great. Thank you so much. Oh, my pleasure. And uh, keep in touch. Let me know what else is going on. You're always into something. I absolutely Janine. And yeah, lovely chatting with you. You too. Um, and it sounds like this is a, a, gr- a really great thing for, um, to support people right now. Absolutely. Thanks again.